Hello, everyone, and welcome to EHS on Tap. I'm your host, Justin Scase, Senior Editor of the EHS Daily Advisor and Safety Decisions Magazine. So there are many organizations out there that promote safety, and one of the most well-known organizations that is deeply committed to promoting safety both at work and at home is the National Safety Council, or NSC for short. Today, on a very special episode of EHS on Tap, we're going to talk with the new leader of the council about her background, her vision for the organization, and what she sees as the biggest emerging trends in workplace safety. We're very excited today to be joined by Lorraine M. Martin, the president and CEO of the National Safety Council. Lorraine has a very long and impressive resume, including such roles as U.S. Air Force officer, executive vice president and deputy of Rotary and Mission Systems at Lockheed Martin, and co-founder and president of the nonprofit Pegasus Springs Foundation. As a champion for advancing women and girls in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, or STEM, Lorraine was recently named among STEM Connector's 100 corporate women leaders, and she joined NSC as its new president and CEO this past June. So Lorraine, thank you so much for being here uh, to chat with us today on EHS on Tap. Justin, it's an honor to be with, with you and your listeners. Uh, thanks so much. So. I touched on a few things when I introduced you, but tell us a little bit more about your background. Uh, what was your career like prior to NSC, and how did these positions put you on a safety-focused path? Um, well, thank you. Yes, as you mentioned, I did um, start my career at, with the U.S. Air Force and then eventually was working in the aerospace and defense industry in general um, at Lockheed Martin for 30 years. So um, I got an opportunity to work on all different kinds of projects, um, both um, when I was in the Air Force and then at Lockheed Martin, many of them in very high consequence environments, production environments, um, building products, not only that we needed to ensure the people who use them, the men and women of our armed forces around the world, um, that they could use them and come home safely um, after using them. And consequence there is very high. Mm -hmm. um, but also for the employees that built the products to make sure that they had the tools they needed, they had the work environment that they needed, and, and that we and the organizations that they were part of had the culture that said that safety was not a convenience, it was an imperative. And um, at Lockheed Martin and I think most aerospace and defense companies, we understand that responsibility and it's really baked in to who we are as organizations and who we are um, and providing products to, again, those who do the things that we ask to do for us on behalf of our nations around the world. So it really helped me kind of have that in my career, that focus of um, safety and of knowing who you're working for and ensuring that they got home safely, whether it was from work or from their mission. Um, every time. Um, right. I kind of bring some of that, obviously, um, as my lens to the National Safety Council. Um, I have been in um, an industry um, type environment for the last 35 years, and it's mm -hmm. really exciting now to look at not only how um, I can bring that experience to uh, the workplace that we serve, but also to the other environments um, that we serve in our communities at large, and looking at how we can help um, people live their fullest lives and and have safety be something that is there for all of us. Um, you know, it is it is really about leadership when you get right down to it. Mm -hmm. It's about understanding uh, what kind of strategies are important in each of the environments and for each of the issues we're looking at. And then at the National Safety Council for us, it's always about following the data 
so that it can really show us uh, where we need to put our attention, where we need to put our efforts so that we can get ahead of things that might be coming. Definitely. So so what made you decide that you wanted to take the reins at uh, the, na- the National Safety Council? Um, well, it was a joint decision, and I'm very glad that they also <laughs> wanted me to take the reins. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I was really looking for what what's the next right thing to do after 35 years in the aerospace and defense industry, I was ready to give back. Um, Mm. So I looked at a variety of different nonprofit um, opportunities for leadership. And I I really was able to come to the conviction that the thing that motivated me was to help human beings, people that we serve, live their fullest lives. Mm. And when you think about what the National Safety Council is all about, it's about ensuring that people um, are not harmed and certainly uh, don't perish uh, because of something that we can prevent. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the core of that, it's ensuring that people live their fullest lives. Mm. So it really was a nice match for me because I do bring the industry perspective and the ability to help the organization with the products and services and the business size of, of what the National Safety Council does. But it also then enabled me to um, fuel the passion that I have of helping human beings um, um, with their dreams and doing everything that they were uh, born and uh, aspire to go do. That's great. Uh, so you must be e- extremely busy in your new role as president and CEO. Uh, so what is NSC up to right now that you're most excited about? Well, you have caught us at probably one of our, our, our busiest moments in time because uh-huh. we're about a week away from um, our biggest uh, event of the year, and that is the National Safety Council's annual Congress and Expo. Yep. That's the world's largest annual safety exposition. Have you ever been to that? Uh, Uh, I have not been to that yet, no. We'll have to get you there, Justin. Um, Absolutely. It it is this year going to be held in San Diego from September 6th through the 12th. Um, And it's uh, been taking place in some form or another for about the last 100 years, if you can imagine that. Oh, wow. Um, But this year we will have um, about 15,000 safety professionals and folks that are in that world of providing services and practices um, for Um, the safety missions that um, we need to address for our nation. It's actually got a lot of international participation as well. Mm. It'll be my first time as well attending. Ah. I'm really looking forward to engaging with the the exhibitors, the attendees. Um, There's educational forums as well. So it it really is the place to be for safety professionals, at least for that few days in time here. And and again, it's going to be in San Diego. Um, I also, um, we have 15,000 members. So the council also is a membership-based uh, organization, as well as a product services and and uh, philanthropy and advocacy. Um, and mm-hmm. I'll get a chance to meet a lot more of those members there, really hear from them what's going to be most important to them um, in safety and in the in the bigger world of EHS. Um, so really just a, a listening opportunity for me as well to hear from our core constituents. Um, I get a chance to be on the stage to kick it off, but following me, we're going to have a guest speaker, really inspirational. I've got a chance to read his book. I look forward to uh, meeting him personally, Mick Ebeling. And he is the co-founder and CEO of something called Not Impossible Labs. And his whole focus is about understanding that you can uh, look at something that's impossible. And sometimes you just need to show up, Mm -hmm. not know how you're going to fix it, not know what you're going to do, and just tell yourself you're going to do it. And amazing things can happen. So look forward to hearing his speech and having that inspire us. And then we also use this um, this forum to really be the 
the annual culmination of both our company and individual award winners for accomplishment over the year in safety. So mm. we'll get to do a lot of uh, congratulations and, and uh, celebrating with those, those folks as well. That's great. That's fantastic. So yes, we're busy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, so really busy right now. Uh, what, what's your vision for the future of uh, the organization? Well, thank you. And and I have been giving that quite a bit of, of thought. I've, I'm now not yet at 100 days. I'm a little over two months in the job, mm-hmm. really getting a chance to understand the incredible team we have, all of our stakeholders, and many of them I just mentioned. And I've come to the, the understanding that what I want to do is have the biggest impact. So really mm. diving in and understanding um, in this mission of eliminating preventable deaths and injuries in our workplaces, how do I um, make sure that our efforts are really going to move the needle? And there's some things that the council has done over its 107 year history that have been very much needle moving, things having to do with seat belts and airbags. We're doing things right now in the opioid epidemic that you know have really been impactful. Mm-hmm. So my, my challenge is to really look at all of our initiatives with a fresh pair of eyes, um, just like any, any new leader brings to the team um, appreciating everything we're doing and then looking for opportunities where we really can focus in on, on the greatest impact. And then, uh, we have the ability to go invest and make sure that we've got, you know, updated tools, processes, awareness campaigns, um, legislation that's going to enable us really to make a difference in the world. So I don't have one initiative. I've been asked that question Mm -hmm. by some of, uh, the staff even, you know, what's my thing. Um, Uh it's really going to be about looking at all of our initiatives and understanding where we can have the highest impact and then just making sure that we've got the engine, the, the resource, the, the talent to go, to go make that happen. So speaking of the future, uh, what do you see as the emerging issues in workplace safety right now? Um, Are there any areas that you think maybe aren't getting enough attention? Yeah, thank you for asking that. You know, the one I'd really like to start with, and I kind of commented it on on earlier, is the opioid epidemic. Uh Um, Workplace safety evolves with our community, and as there's no more more risks or new risks that emerge for our populace, you know that those are gonna be brought to the workplace in one way or another as human beings live and spend a lot of their time in the workplace. Um, the The opioid em- epidemic right now uh, wasn't even, it wasn't even on our radar in the, radar in the 90s. And while it was mm-hmm. affecting individuals in our communities, it certainly wasn't something that we all had awareness of and employers weren't uh, you know, front and center on this. Today, mm-hmm. a recent poll that we just did, 75% of employers in the U.S. have directly been impacted by opioid, opioid misuse. Mm-hmm. And we also surveyed those same um, companies and only 17%, 17% of their um, safety professionals and HR uh, employees felt ready to deal with this issue. Um, so that's a big gap that you know, we have put a lot of effort into providing toolkits and, and resources to help um, the workplace truly understand that this is something that that we need to have a role in and that there are tools to help with. I say the other one that's really um, coming to, to forefront for us right now is fatigue in the workplace and the issue that that places when people are in um, safety sensitive jobs. Mm-hmm. And 97% of American workers report at least one risk factor around fatigue. Um, and I could go and talk a lot about this. Uh, I know your your podcast probably doesn't have enough time for that, but those two issues in the workplace, I think, are really important for us um, as employers, 
I am one and I, I have to c- take care of the employees here at the National Safety Council, but then it, for industries across our country, really understanding how we are resourced on these two issues for the people that uh, that put their responsibility and their their trust in us as they come to work. So that's mm-hmm. a big one. Um, the other one I would say that, that we've started to really get some excitement around is technology in general. And mm. as you mentioned before, you know, I was in the technology field. I had a computer science, computer engineering background as I entered uh, industry. Um, but technology can help us with the products we build, how we manufacture them, what technology is actually in the products in our homes and in our lives. But it also can truly help us with our safety and how we build those products and what environments we put human beings in and where we can use technology like artificial intelligence, augmented and virtual reality, sensors, wearables, drones, robotics, those all have not only uh, the ability to help with productivity and efficiency, but also safety. And if you can put those two together as you're bringing them into the workforce, you know that's a double bang of really high payoff. So mm. um, we have started to partner uh, with some organizations to really look at how we can leverage technology in the safety world as some of these really neat uh, new new uh, capabilities are available. I will I will tell you one thing that, that that's come very clear to me, um, not only in my uh, industrial uh, career, but also now here, is that we ask a lot of employees. We really do. We ask them mm. to learn new best practices every day, mm-hmm. something new's coming along. We ask them to upgrade their skills, to change how they do their work, one thing we cannot ask of them is to put their own safety at risk at work. And right. technology is one of the things that we can help uh, to mitigate some of those risks and exploring that's going to be really exciting. And we've got a lot of things we'll be announcing at the at the event um, next week mm-hmm. uh, regarding uh, what we call work to zero. We would really like to be a, a, a nation, a country that doesn't have any uh, human loss of life um, in getting done the industry that uh, fuels our fuels our economy. Absolutely. Now, I've noticed, uh, and and you actually touched upon this a little bit in your last answer, I've noticed that NSC highlights a lot of issues that affect not only workplace safety, but public safety in general, things like safe driving and, uh, as you mentioned, substance abuse prevention. So what do you think about the overlap between on-the-job and off-the-job safety? And is there anything that safety professionals can do to help make their communities as well as their workplaces safer. Yeah, those safety professionals, they truly they truly can have a huge impact, especially um, given the things that they learned and the tools that they learn um, at their workplace. Mm-hmm. There's a huge overlap, as you've just said. I mean, human beings are human beings, and, and um, we can get ourselves into trouble in risky areas, no matter what that location is. Um, and when employees um, go home, if they've learned techniques, whether it's safe driving, distracted driving uh, awareness, whether it's first aid techniques, whether it's a dealing dealing with someone who potentially is in an opioid overdose and what they can do to uh, to to address that, all of those things that workplaces often are helping provide skills and tools to their employees, those can go straight home with you to your families, to your communities, and you can be an advocate to bring that. Uh, bring that to a wider audience. And I, I'm sure most and all safety professionals, um, you know, understand that, uh, that responsibility. Um, I will tell you motor vehicle crashes. So that's, you know, until the opioid epidemic, it was our number one preventable death in our country. It has now been eclipsed, mm. but at the workplace, it's still the number one um, preventable death. And 
uh, motor vehicle techniques of driving, of technology to having cars, of of understanding what what impairment is and distraction. Those apply to our roadways, no matter where they are. And so many workforces have to have vehicles and move things, people and other things, that um, driving is a, a huge piece of their business and how they get their business done. And those same techniques for being self safe apply equally well on, on our roadways in general and then for workforce. So there's 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 protections that we think of that are outside of the work that can go into the workforce and then vice versa. There really is a very a synergistic perspective that we should have on that. Definitely. So my next question for you, um, you've taken on many leadership roles in your career. Uh, what advice would you give to safety professionals who are looking to be strong team leaders, but maybe also trying to gain the attention of corporate leadership when it comes to workplace safety issues? Yeah, that, that's a great question. And and some of, I think, my thoughts on this will really center around really just leadership in general, whether or not you're an individual contributor or, or you have the responsibility to manage people, mm-hmm. um, you know, safety leaders are leaders and they are folks that are coming into an organization uh, to try to have impact, to try to, in many cases, change things so that they can be safer, that we can mitigate risks that they see. So they have to have a voice. Mm. Um, that's the same for many professions. Uh, if you don't have a voice in your work environment, you're not probably going to have much as much impact as you could. And so when I've talked to various communities about leadership, safety and others, the first thing I'll recommend is that you really need to know your craft. You need to mm. know the job you're doing. So, you know, make sure you come to the table with your voice, but know that you know that, that you have done your homework, whatever that might be. Mm-hmm. And then make sure you understand what impact looks like in your environment. And for a safety professional, that's pretty easy to understand. It's about making sure people don't get injured, mm-hmm. that the work can, can continue to progress, so that you can make deadlines, but that you're doing it in a way that ensures that um, each and every employee and the equipment is safe and sound um, during that process. So know what impact looks like and and spend some time really thinking about for the organization how to characterize that impact. And then have your voice um, and make sure you come to the table with your voice. Um, That again is a a leadership thing that's really important for us all to learn. You know, you don't need to bring something if nothing nothing needs to be said, but when it does, make sure you know how to use your voice. Mm. I've been been really thinking about the safety professionals challenge and, and, and especially the leadership piece of that. And one of the things that I know when I was in uh, manufacturing environments um, and um, had large workforces that were doing things that could put them in in potentially risky situations is to really as a leader to show up where your people are doing mm. the work mm-hmm. make sure you put your eyes on it you ask them what's in your way you know what you know doesn't feel as safe or do you feel like you don't have the right tools or the right protections to do your job they'll know what it is sometimes you just got to go ask and the best place to ask that is in where that uh, environment is whether that's in the field whether that's in a plant whether that's in an office environment. So I would also recommend to safety professionals, show up, go find Mm. your people and ask them. Um, And my final thing I guess I would say is that as you're exploring, you know, what the impact is for your organization and how to have your voice and asking folks what you can do to help, um, a healthy dose of humility and confidence at the same time, Mm. I think goes a long way to helping people feel comfortable to tell you what they need 
and for others to hear you when you have something to say. Mm, absolutely. That's that's some great advice. Um, before we sign off, uh, is there anything else you'd like to talk about or share with our audience about workplace safety and what's uh, what's happening at the National Safety Council? Well, I commented about technology in the workplace. Uh-huh. And I'd like to maybe just put a little cap on that a bit. We actually have um, an initiative that I, we're calling Work to Zero, and I hinted at it before, mm-hmm. um, and to really focus um, on what it would take to get to zero fatalities. Um, over the last decade, workplace injuries continually go down, which is fantastic because that's a big number, really big number. Mm-hmm. And every person that we can have avoid getting injured in some way is, you know, exactly what we should be focused on. But the number of fatalities has remained fine, kind of flat. Hmm. And that's with a lot of initiatives. So there's something more we need to be doing or something we need to understand as our um, environments change and more technology brought, gets brought into them for doing the job mm-hmm. and creating more complex um, results. And we have to kind of figure that out. And as I mentioned before, I think technology and looking at it from a safety perspective is one of the uh, keys to really cracking that nut. Um, and uh, we have really um, gotten a lot of insights and some data available to us about uh, the safety and technology uh, for both um, um, our, both from our leaders and our practitioners. And uh, we recently got a grant to double down on this and to really Uh, focus on understanding how technology might be able to help here. We're partnering with the McElhatton Foundation, as I mentioned before, on a grant, and we're going to be piloting and evaluating various kinds of technologies and training programs around technology to really address this issue of fatalities um, in the workplace. There's lots, and I mentioned some of the technologies before, but there's just tons of technologies available for us to consider. Additive manufacturing, I'm not sure I mentioned that one last time. Um, robots themselves, not only for manufacturing, but to really look at the human interface with the robots and understanding how that can help us with uh, with the safety dynamic as well. Mm-hmm. And not just applying technology to apply it, but really think about it, do the research of understanding which ones are going to have the highest payoffs and what kind of environments so we can uh, save lives. Uh, the coalition that we put together is a, a group of practitioners uh, to really look at this issue from academia, researchers, um, folks that are from the industry side. Uh, we are starting to put together our first sort of point paper on that, and that will be coming out here shortly. Um, and then we're also going to have a summit um, in February, I think it is, in Florida somewhere, um, to really look at um, you know how to start to characterize and categorize uh, technology for the safety environment. And we'll start to then share that with the uh, community at large. So really exciting. We're, we're kicking off an advisory council out at Congress, the event that I talked about in San Diego, mm-hmm. uh, for our Work to Zero initiative. And I'm really looking forward to um, seeing how this perhaps will be something that will be a needle mover, as I talked about before, something that really can have impact and start to turn that fatality number in the direction that we need it to go. I mean, our whole goal is to enable everyone to live their fullest life. Mm-hmm. And if you're injured or you know, un- actually happen to lose your life, but clearly we have not met our objectives. Right. And um, technology, I think, is one thing. It's not the only thing, but it's one thing that I think has a big promise. And so I'm really excited about uh, being able to partner, especially given my STEM background and and the um, uh, the exposure that I had to many of these technologies on the production side. It's going to be really fun to ask uh, how can they help in the safety world as well. 
Sounds great. Uh, I'm sure many in our audience are uh, looking forward to NSC's Congress and Expo next week as well. And we're looking forward to what the council has in store for the future of safety. So thank you so much again, Lorraine, for taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us on EHS on Tap. Thank you, Justin, and I hope we can stay in touch. Absolutely. Hope to talk to you again soon. So thanks also to our listeners for tuning in. Be sure to keep an eye out for new episodes of our podcast and keep reading the EHS Daily Advisor to stay on top of your safety and environmental compliance obligations, get the latest and best practices, and keep your finger on the pulse of all things related to the EHS industry. Until next time, this is Justin Scase for EHS on Tap.